season, that song messes me up at the core is the realization how desperately we need the Lord. We need the Lord. Every one of us, our oldest, our oldest relative in the flesh is Adam. And because of Adam's disobedience, every one of us was sold as a slave to sin. Sold as a slave. We were not even yet born, but because of what he did, it was though we were on the auction block and we were sold as a slave to sin. And as a slave, we've served our master, sin. We've responded in perfect obedience in many respects to the demands of our master. How desperately we have needed to be redeemed. It's a reminder that we were purchased. We were purchased. We are a purchased people. If your faith today is in Jesus Christ, you have been redeemed. You were bought back. You were bought back. And no longer a slave to sin. In that purchase, we have been bought back. And we are now slaves to righteousness, if you will. In a few moments, we'll be opening the Word of God and we will be looking at a portion of Scripture that has been in many large ways misunderstood because of the translator's terminology. And I hope that this morning we'll have a clearer understanding of some realities for you and I in our faith There's some implications that are very, very real and very, very uh, kind of to the core stuff for us. And so we're going to do that in just a few moments. A um, couple of announcements before we get started, and then I'm going to invite up uh, two of our young adults who are headed off to the mission field for a short-term mission. We're going to uh, just hear real quickly a little bit about uh, the work there, and then we're going to pray as a fellowship for them. Uh, Announcement-wise, if you have your worship folder, your program, uh, lots happening. Some men's ministry stuff this month with the upcoming breakfast. We have our uh, third Wednesday night meeting. There's some discipleship training if you're interested in the discipleship training. And really, the discipleship training will equip you to become a coach, if you will, or someone to walk along with another person. This will be an equipping for you as a follower of Christ, as well as positioning you in a greater measure to help others uh, become stronger in their walk with the Lord. There's a sign-up sheet in the back. Is Ginny in the house? No, she's she's back there. Oh, well, well th- that sign-up's in the back. Uh, there's a ladies' hike coming up on Saturday, August 27th, and uh, there is the women's retreat registration in the back. Our B-Town kids will be back up this coming Saturday, and there's a block party coming up at the end of the month, so I want to encourage you in that regard. All right. If I could have Matt Wise and Sarah Williams come on up here. Uh, a couple of young people. Yeah, that's. they love Jesus. And uh, they are in response. Come on all the way up, guys. In response to uh, obedience to the Lord, uh, they're stepping out in faith on a short-term mission trip, and they're headed to Uganda. And they're going to be working with an organization that's uh, smaller in size. In fact, it is, it's, it's a ministry that is, has children to adopt, and there's about 40 kids that are available for adoption, if you will. And they're going on this trip as guinea pigs. 
That's what I heard. I, I mean, they're like, this is the first short-term mission team that will be going there to do a work. So can you guys, testing one, two, can you guys just in a nutshell, neither one of you can speak, but in a nutshell, just kind of tell us, give us a picture of what we're going to be doing, what you guys are going to be doing and what we're going to be doing through you guys. Please be quick. Sarah gets to first. <laughs> then we'll come back to that. So we will be working with this organization, um, partially going to the schools and teaching, like, health and sanitation type things to the kids, hand washing. Um, we'll be distributing soap and food to families, um, as well as just, like you said, being guinea pigs and finding out what would be good for mission teams to do in the future when they go there. Awesome, awesome. And they will be doing um, some outreach, presenting the gospel. And one of the key things, I think, when it comes to the sanitation, the young men will be working with the young men in Africa, and the ladies will be working with the young ladies in Africa. And in the area of even familiarizing themselves with the nature of their physical growth, the young women will be blossoming into, uh, or the young gals will be blossoming into women, and the young men will be blossoming into men. And... All that goes with that. And the importance of God's design. And this is something in Africa that has been lacking. And so as a result of that, uh, Africa has been devastated with HIV. Africa has been devastated with a number of other sexually transmitted diseases. And there is not an understanding how men are to love and respect women. And the, the, the whole... Christian view and dignity and respect and love. And so it's going to be, it's exciting. And we want to pray with you guys. And so your departure date, tell me again the exact departure date and return. 28th they leave and back on the 12th. Okay. Okay. So they leave at the end of this month on the 28th and they're back on the 12th of September. So I would invite all of you to write down their names. You can uh, take one of those prayer cards in front of you and use it as a bookmarker in your Bible that you read every day. And uh, just put Matt Wise and Sarah Williams, Uganda, and that will be a reminder for you to be praying for these guys. And I'm going to invite, let me just see, uh, any young person, let me put it this way, anyone that's like 30 and under that wants to just come up here and lay hands on, I know because I know some of you guys like me, you think, oh, I'm still young. <laughs> but let's have some of those young adults come on down. And uh, we want to just lay hands on these. I'm going to invite everyone to extend a hand in just a moment. But young adults, come down and let's lay hands on these guys. And let's believe God. They're going out. And they're, they're going to, by faith, we're going to see transformation. Squeeze in. All right. Come on in. I love it. Don't you love that we have a ton of young people here? It's so cool. Praise God. Praise God. All right. The congregation, I'm going to invite you to extend a hand forward. And uh, let's believe God is just going to do his miraculous work this team. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to send and to go forth and to accomplish the mission, the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples of all peoples. And so, Father, we are praying for both Matt and Sarah and the team. We are asking in the name of Jesus that you would go before them and make rough places smooth. Lord, that you would take them by the hand and lead them before the nations. And that, God, you would grant them favor and open doors. Lord, you'd level mountains before them, making crooked places straight. God, you'd cut through bars of iron and gates of bronze and open those double doors. That, Father, the ministry of the truth of Jesus Christ would penetrate into the hearts and the lives of those children and the hearts and the lives of the adults and the missionaries that are there and the entire team. Father, they would see transformation. They would see the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ bringing about transformation that men and women would become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And so, Lord, help in every way. Lord, protect these. Go before them, God. We love you. We praise you. And ask, God, your blessing and your anointing in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. Let's give it up for these guys as they go forth in obedience. Praise God. Praise God. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Good. All right. Love you guys. Praise the Lord.
Next week, uh, I won't be here. Uh, my daughter's getting married next week. <laughs> She's marrying Wesley Ransom. He won't be here next week either. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, we're super, super excited uh, for them and ask uh, God's blessing. Uh, but you have a treat next Sunday. Um, Marshall Snyder will be speaking. Most of you would remember Marshall. You know that he and Leslie are part of our fellowship now, and they are a part of Bridgetown, Inc. that does the ministry under the bridge. Most notably, folks would remember them from Thursday night night strike, but they do a number of other ministries, one of which is D-Town Kids, which we have been actively involved in this year. And so uh, he will be speaking from the Word of God next week, and I want to encourage you to come out. Uh, I, I know many men are zealous for the Lord. Uh, Marshall is certainly zealous for the things of the Lord, and so you will be uh, pleasantly, uh, well, you'll just be encouraged, I'm sure, in the Word. Uh, before, we, before we start in the study, and I want to encourage you to just turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, I'd like to take a minute and pray for the churches of North Clackamas, uh, very specifically the east side churches uh, of North Clackamas. Uh, so will you just, as you're turning, and once you find there, just close your eyes and pray with me, and let's believe God for just a move of his spirit. So, Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus again. Your word says that my house shall be a house of prayer. And so, Lord, we want to lift up the body of Christ in this community in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, we pray for Trinity Church up at uh, Rock Creek Middle School. And we ask, God, your blessing on the pastor as he ministers this morning at 11 a.m. Lord, may the word of God go forth to the people in the school. Lord, we pray for abundant life. And we pray for Pastor George and ask God as the word goes out that lives would be transformed by the power of the gospel. We pray for Pastor Aaron, who has a church plant in less than 30 days, launching up at Scouters Mountain School. And we ask God for your blessing on their team as they prepare, Lord, to launch. For Emmanuel, Lord, right up on 172nd in the corner. Uh, Lord, we're praying for their service this morning. We're asking that the word would go forth powerfully and effectively, again, to the converting of the souls. Lord, we pray for Eastridge and Pastor Dwayne, and we ask God that it would just be a powerful services this morning and that your spirit would simply move upon the people and we would in obedience, see the body of Christ simply responding to the Word of God. For Pastor Jim, right over here at Sunnyside Church, we're praying, God, for a move of your spirit, and that, God, you would touch the hearts and lives of every man, woman, and child in this church, God, and they would walk in obedience to your Word. We pray for Creator Lutheran, Lord, right across the street from us, and we pray, God, for an absolute, uh, Lord, that they would come to absolute biblical stance in all areas, Lord, and that you would help them in the name of Jesus for Spring Mountain and uh, Pastor Daniel Meadows, Lord, and ask God for the entire congregation there that as the word goes out, that, Lord, there would be hearts transformed. God, grant the church, the body of Christ, a vision for our community that every house and every home would have a clear presentation of the gospel. Valley View Evangelical, Lord, and the pastor there is relatively new. God, will you minister in and through him, and may the truth of the gospel go forth powerfully and effective. Lord, we pray for uh, Happy Valley Baptist, Lord, and Pastor Dave Charlton. We ask God in Jesus' name that there would just be the message going forth strong and that, Lord, the people would respond and that you'd see, that we'd see him move. We pray for Pastor Joel Hirschstead, Lord, right there at Destiny, uh, next door to Happy Valley Baptist. God, may there be a move of your spirit. We pray for Josh, and we ask God for a move of your spirit and that, Lord, people would respond in faith in Jesus' name. And Happy Valley Evangelical right there on the corner of King Road. And 122nd, God, will you move in that congregation? And then, Lord, we pray, God, for new hope in Pastor John. We ask, God, in Jesus' name that you do a work there. May this faith community in North Clackamas see the power of God made manifest. And may lives come into the kingdom of God. And may we, as the body of Christ, do our part to see people raised up in the faith. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everyone said a strong amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The beauty is we're part of something bigger than ourselves. Amen? And that's just a picture of the church and its expression right here in our community. And we pray for the church in the Portland metro area. The Bible tells us that we will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where? Unto the ends of the earth. And so we're, a, we're, we're about something bigger than ourselves. We're a local expression, the church of God that meets right here at Hillside Christian Fellowship in North Clackamas, Oregon. And we want to be responsible and do our part of the Great Commission to love God, to love people, and to make disciples of all nations. 
All right. Well, you're already in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm not there yet. So we have been looking at uh, some relationship stuff as we're gearing up for in the month of September when we begin in the book of Genesis. We've been looking at relationships, and we've transitioned from a husband-wife relationship. We've looked at children and their obedience to their parents and that whole structure of God's design, understanding authority, and we're raising kids up to recognize that there are authorities in this world. Predominant in our life should be our recognition of the authority that God has in our lives. We're the clay and he's the potter. And so we have a responsibility to him. And so we looked at that. This morning what I want to do is I want to look at uh, a portion of Scripture, uh, chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, that touches on what most would correlate employee-employer. So I'll touch on that. But that's not what the Scripture's referring to here. The Scripture's referring to slave and master. Slaves and masters. It's really a concept that we're not very familiar with. And because we don't see it in an American culture. And we'll, we'll look at what has transpired really over the centuries that has kind of numbed us and dumbed us to this slave-master relationship. That's where we're going. And really, I'll give two thoughts that I want us to kind of conclude today with because they have implications in our relationship to Jesus Christ personally, each one of us individually, and our relationship with Jesus. And out of that, what flows, whether it's in the workaday world, whether it's in your secular life, your normal commerce of living, all of that flows from that relationship of slave master. So we'll look at that in just a moment. So let's read. Chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. I'm reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible. I will quote from the King James this morning, and I will also quote from uh, another version that you may not be familiar with, but the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Uh, chapter 6, verse 5. Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. And there is no partiality with him. Around 1400 A.D., slavery was being abolished in the European areas and really the rest of the known world. About 200 years later, when the translators of the Geneva Bible got together, guys like Calvin and Knox, they looked at the Hebrew and the Greek, or really the Septuagint and the Greek translation of the Bible and its translation into the English language. And nearly, well, exactly 800 times, the word doulos, was used in the Old Testament in its noun form. However, understanding that its only genuine translation is slave, they thought it hard 
so they translated it servant and or bond servant. Now, John MacArthur has written a book uh, called Slave, and some of what I'll quote this morning will be from his book. Uh, I think actually Matthew told me that, uh, John, you gave Matt a copy of that book most recently. And uh, interestingly enough, we had a young family's barbecue uh, at the Linden's house uh, this uh, a little ways back, and uh, I think you had your t-shirt on that was doulos, and so I, you know, it's just written in the Greek, and I said doulos, and he's like, oh, hey, and we even engaged in conversation, so, but this is, this is a word that has been translated other than what the word actually means. It's translated servant, not slave. You say, well, how how is that going to impact my life? Well, 1,100 times, so 800 times is a noun, 300 times in the verb form, it's been translated servant, not slave. Only once in the prophet Jeremiah do we find that it was actually translated slave in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's at least 150 times, and there are a variety of different places that it is translated, but generally speaking, it's when it's talking about something as an object like a slave to sin. We'll see that translation slave to sin, not servant to sin, if you will. In fact, we find in the Greek that there are at least seven words that mean servant, and doulos is not one of them. So, John MacArthur, while he was on this flight uh, back east from Los Angeles, he was beginning to contemplate this and began to do some research and study, and out of that... Uh, he ended up producing this book. But as I, as I look at the scripture and as I study and as I simply look at the difference between a slave and the servant, here is the key difference. A servant is a hired hand. A slave is someone who is owned. And think about that for a minute. Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. Cannot. Cannot serve two masters. If master is the correlating word, kurios, to doulos, the slave can only have one master. But if I'm a hired hand as a servant, in fact, some of you sitting here, how many of you here have two jobs? Raise your hand if you got two jobs. Yeah, a handful of you got two jobs. That means you're already serving two masters. As a servant, you're hired hand. So you can have two agendas, if you will. But as a slave, we have one owner. So it's very different. Very different. So, let me read 1 Corinthians 6 with the understanding of how I preface we are a purchased possession. Now, this is a discussion in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Most notably, you would probably recognize some of the earlier verses, like 11 and 12, I believe it is. I, I won't quote it, I'm sure, exact. But the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Or all things are permissible, but uh, I, I will not be mastered by any. And then he goes on to talk about our bodies. In fact, he talks about things and he covers some detail about our union with Christ, how our spirit has become one with his spirit. And then he talks about fornication and sexual immorality and how we ought not engage in fornication and sexual immorality because we're sinning against our body in so doing. And he makes these statements. He says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. And in your spirit, which are God's, which belong to God. We 
general live as though we are. Those of us, whether you've been a saint in the kingdom of God for a long time, or maybe you're new in the Lord, the tendency of followers of Jesus is to do their own thing. Our men's Bible study on Wednesday mornings, we're just coming to the conclusion of the book of Judges. The most frequently used phrase in the book of Judges is, there was no king in those days, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. There was no master in those days. Everyone did what they wanted. That is the condition of the church in most cases. I will say individually and collectively. We often, all too often, do what we simply want to do without much consideration. We act as though we are our own we have not been bought at a price. And the truth is, we have. We have been bought at a price. We are not our own. And that has an implication for us. So before we dive into the actual sermon, I want to read, you see, John MacArthur in his study, he studied some 22 different translations, English translations of the Word of God. And of the 22 that he studied, only one, only one translated doulos correctly. And that is the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Let me read that same portion of Scripture. Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling. In sincerity of heart as to Christ. Don't work only while being watched in order to please men, but as slaves of Christ, do God's will from your heart. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. And masters, treat your slaves the same way, without threatening them, because you know that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. In the first century, when estimates of slavery were as high as 50 million slaves in the Roman Empire, you can only imagine Paul, when he, under the inspiration of God the Spirit, used the word doulos, that they understood what that meant. To lose that is grievous. I think it's high time that we fully grasp, or at least individually all of us grasp in a greater measure, what this means. Roman citizens back in the first century got to the place where actually doing work was disdainful. In fact, it was belittling, they felt, in them of themselves. And so everyone began to purchase slaves to do menial tasks, which was basically any level of work. And so slaves were bought, sold, traded, used, discarded as if they were animals or tools. One Roman writer divided his agricultural instruments, instruments into three categories. Here are the three categories. The articulate... Those are the slaves. The inarticulate, which were the animals. And the mute, which were simply the tools and the vehicles. The articulate were the slaves. The inarticulate were the animals. And the mute were the tools and the vehicles. The only distinction made between a man who was a slave and an animal was the fact that he could speak. That's how belittling it was. Roman statesman Cato said, old slaves should be thrown on a dump 
And when a slave is ill, do not feed him anything. It's not worth your money. Take six slaves and throw them away because they are nothing but inefficient tools. a slave who accidentally killed his pet quail. A bird. I accidentally kills a bird and he's crucified. So, doulos always means slave. A slave is not a servant. A servant is a hired person. Question for you this morning. Are you a hired Christian? for hire? Or are you a slave to Christ? A slave is someone who is owned by another. All right. So, albeit that we don't have slavery in America, the principles that the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of God the Spirit, has penned out for us uh, to both masters and slaves, they do still apply to us. And so I want to take a few moments that I really want to stick with us. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to qualify the first and then without any qualification, I'll say the second. So how are we to be slaves and masters in our work? In other words, as a result of what Jesus Christ has done for us, he's purchased us, we are owned. That is the position that we approach every area in our lives. I am Christ's. Therefore, my approach to whatever I do will be as unto the Lord. That's why the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, said, whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord, not to men. And in several other places, that same language. So, we are slaves to Christ first. the scripture says in relationship to slaves. First, that we're to be obedient. So, let's look at, lest I get ahead of myself. The second is how we are to be slaves to Christ, or how are we to be slaves ourselves. So, uh, how are we to be slaves and masters in our work? Verses 5 through 7 give instructions, if you will. So, first, how are we to submit? What does our submission look like? Well, the scripture tells us to obey. Obey. So there comes with it an obedience. Now, remember, our obedience is first to Christ. And he has said, whatever I do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not as unto men. So listen, if you are here and you have a job, which is most of us, you have a job. How many of us find ourselves complaining about our work? Complaining about the guy we work for or the gal we work for? That's not what the scripture has called us to, is it? No. We're called to do what we've been asked to do, to do it heartily and to be obedient. I've heard, now I was in management for nine, ten years. I can remember guys saying to me, and maybe you've said these words, that's not my job. <laughs> I think I've even said those words before. That's not my job. That's somebody else's job. Not if your boss asks you to do it. Right? Because you're the hired hand there. And you're not working for him, you're working for the Lord, and the Lord said be obedient. Whatever you've been asked to do, go do it. Think about how great of employees we should be. In fact, we should set the standard. So-and-so, that person, they're such a good employee. Every time I ask them to do anything they're willing to do, they just do it. They're like, I'm at it. And they go do it with a great attitude. Man, I'm so thankful. Thank you. I'm on it. And we go over and we do the job. They're probably like scratching their man. That guy, there's something wrong with that dude. What's wrong with that guy? 
Think about when the Scripture says you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be witnesses unto me. The me there is Jesus. And if you're at work and you're like, the boss says, hey, I need you to do this. You go, dude, that's not my job. Who are you being a witness for right there? You. Not Jesus. Does that hurt? <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So, sometimes, as Pentecostal, Spirit-filled believers, we're looking for God's miraculous. Someone, I mean, are we looking for the miraculous work of God? Can I get an amen? Yeah, sometimes we're looking for something, something so magnanimously big, like we want to be transported like Philip after his conversation with the Ethiopian. We're like, God, my work is finished here. I just want to reappear way over here in this other town. How come that never happened? We're looking for something so magnanimous, and we miss the opportunity that the power of the Spirit of God who's dwelling in us to deny our flesh and to simply obey the Lord in that area. Does that make sense? I mean, believe me. Can I just get a bunch of head nods if you not agree with me necessarily, I mean, hopefully that too, but that you, like this is touching your life. Like you understand what it's like to be working for someone and not wanting to do what they're asking you to do. Anybody else? I mean, just not, yeah, I don't like doing what I'm being told to do. How many of us think, I know a better way of doing it? All of us have a better way, right? But we're not the boss. I couldn't stand that when I was working that they were telling me how I had to do my job. Because I always thought, I got a better way of doing this. Just ask me. And I'll, I'll show you the way. We're called to obedience. Okay. The word obedient here, it carries with it one who waits for the command of his master and then carries out the command. Like a porter. The porter just stands at the door and he waits for the command. And as soon as the command comes, he bolts. He's like, I'm on it. Got it. Roger. Boom. And he goes and does it. The word speaks of a willing, expectant servant or servant. Jumping right out. It says also that our obedience is to be carried out with fear and trembling. Now, this is an interesting statement, fear and trembling, because we can, all, we can certainly understand the under, we can understand fear of, like, retribution, right? Like, if I don't do this, I'm going to get busted, right? That's, again, realize that that's self-serving. What that really is referring to is fear of the knowledge of who I am. In other words, I know there's rebellion in my own heart, and I'm fearful that I'm not going to obey because I know me. And that me is going to raise up in rebellion against even just in my attitude. Here's how it works. Boss tells you to do something. And you're like, well, I have to do this. Did you hear that? Like you're thinking, these are my thoughts in my head. Well, I have to do this. I just don't want to really even do this. My boss knows nothing. And I go over to the water cooler. Can you believe our boss? He's such an idiot. Have you been there? <laughs> Some of you are like, did you see me at the water cooler? <laughs> Rebellion can be just at an attitude level. And that's, not a, that's not the kind of obedience that we're talking about here. Right? So how then to submit? We're to submit to those who are in authority over us in, in, the, in this world. We're to submit. And we're to serve them with the singleness of heart as unto the Lord, as unto an audience of one, as unto an audience of one. Your audience is Jesus Christ. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If we could approach our work that way, man, when our boss is like totally stepping on our toes, we only recognize that there are toes when we're living. Hear me out for a minute. Remember, the Apostle Paul said, I have been what? Crucified with Christ. 
life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. The just shall live by what? Faith. So if we, by faith, say, I'm not working for you, I'm working for Jesus, but in my assignment for Jesus, Jesus has told me to just follow your commandments. So, hallelujah. What do you want me to do? I'm on it. Because I'm doing it for Jesus. Not you. You see the difference? If we could approach work in that vein, you, you probably wouldn't hate your job. I mean, some of us don't even like what we do. We're like, I hate my job. And yet God has you there. It's perspective, isn't it? Now, here's the toughie. Here's the toughie. How do we change our perspective? In fact, let me ask you a question. Do you think your willpower will be enough to change your perspective? Probably not. Of the Spirit who dwells in you is because it's a transformational work, and that's what He does. He changes us from the inside out, and we can have a different perspective. A different perspective. It's interesting that we just covered that portion of Scripture uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Same thing with perspective, children looking at their parents. I can't wait till I can move out. <laughs> That's the wrong perspective. I mean, it is. God has you and your family for a reason. But it's important, and how we approach that is huge. Now, so we're to serve with a wholehearted dedication. Hmm. Yielding ourselves to our employees, serving them as to the it's kind of like this allegory, if you will, or uh, similitude. Just like victory. How many of us want victory over sin? Raise your hand if you want victory over sin. All right, everybody's hands went up. And if yours didn't, you will. <laughs> All right. We want victory over sin. All too often we approach that desire from the defeated position. I'm losing the battle, and I want victory. But the truth is, the victory has already been won 2,000 years ago. Paul, writing to the church of Colossus in uh, chapter 2 and verse 15, he says, our foe has been disarmed and defeated. He was triumphed over through the cross. Jesus triumphed. He's been disarmed. He's defeated. He was made public spectacle of. We are operating in our spiritual victory from that position, the position of victory. Does that make sense? Nod your head if that makes sense. You're already proceeding out as a victor in Jesus. If you forfeit your victory, that's on you. That's on me, right? Let's not pick up the enemy's tools and hand them up and say, here, you, you, you dropped these. Let me just beat me up again, all right, please? No. Walk in the victory that has already been provided. Well, the same. We can walk in this understanding that I'm a slave to Christ, and therefore, you know, what, what can man do to you anyway? Nothing. Right? Am I right? People, well, I lost my job. Well, it's because God's got another assignment for you. Maybe you were a knuckle brain. I don't know. That happens. We get that way sometimes. Okay. So, how to submit. How to serve also. How to, how to slave serve. Well, he says it in verse 5, 6, and 7. He says it this way. As to Christ, as slaves of Christ, that the will of God, uh, the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord. So all of our service, our submission is in the Lord, and our service is to the Lord. Does that make sense? I hope I'm being clear here. He says, not with eye service. You ready for this? <laughs> Have you ever been that employee, like when you see the boss coming, you have to change the screen on your computer. 
Oh no, get off social media. Why is it moving so slow? Here it comes. Quick, 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 quick. Facebook, you, you're the bane of my existence, or whatever. Maybe you, like, here comes the boss. I got to speed up. Or you see him coming. Whistle while you work, and you're making widgets or whatever. You're, I mean, you're, all of a sudden you see it. And it's, it's just when his eyes are on you, do you see how that's self-serving? You're making a reputation. Wow, he works really hard. You turn around, you're like, the key of the water cooler. <laughs> No, it's not just when they're watching. Because here's the thing. If you take that mentality, you'll begin to think this way. Well, no one, this isn't affecting anybody. No one sees me doing this. And men and women alike delve into sin. This relationship at work isn't affecting anybody. I mean, I love my wife, but I'm getting a little bit of a something out of this communication that I have with this female at work. But it's not affecting anybody. No one's watching. It's okay. That's our emotional affairs, right? Vice versa. Could be the gal, could be the guy. But if we have the mentality, I'm going to be an eye pleaser, we begin to think in our Christianity that when no one is seeing it, because it's about reputation, then it's affecting no one, and I'm okay to do it. Am I making sense here? It's an attitude. And if you practice that, that's how you're going to play out in real life. You, you play the way you practice. Does that make sense? If you practice eye service, that's how you're going to live your faith, with eye service. So if no one in the church is watching me, I can just do whatever I want. Or I'm, I mean, if it's sin, I'll just repent of it privately. You'll be, I'm so sorry, sorry. And we don't even make confession is totally contrary to what the Word of God says. If you sin, confess to your brother that you what? May be healed, not perpetuate and live in perpetual disobedience. Am I making sense? He says not just with eye service. He says not as man-pleasers. Man-pleasers. Anybody ever been around the suck-up at work? You're like, that guy. We have other words for it that I won't use from the pulpit. Using words like brown and nose. <laughs> the idea there is is someone who's just sucking up. It's flattery. I said to Larry this morning, I said, Larry, you don't look like day older than 50. And he says, flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> that's a, I mean, that's the, oh, here comes the boss. Hey, boss. Hey, man, I like that tie. You're looking good, bro. Again, self-serving. How that plays out in faith, oftentimes people, you may be going through a tragedy in your life. You could be in a faith crisis. And for whatever reason, we come into church and we kind of do the flattery thing. Well, hey, praise the Lord. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? And we're just faking it. During the worship, oh, hallelujah. And on the reality side of it is, it's a train wreck and there's crisis and there's a faith crisis, and we're hurting on the inside, we're broken on the inside, but we don't want anyone else to know for some reason. But far be it from us. It shouldn't be that. We're not man-pleasers in the kingdom of God. I'm not walking my faith in Jesus Christ necessarily for you to think, ooh, he's a spiritual guy. No. No. We should be genuine and real with each other. Does that make sense? I mean, really pounding out life together. So that when we face crisis, we face crisis together. We lock arms and we walk hand in hand. When someone's stumbling, we reach into the clay and we pull them up out of the miry clay. We dust them off. We say, brother, let me walk with you. That's what the Spirit of God does. He's called the paraclete. He's the one who comes alongside and walks with us and helps us. And that's what we get to be with each other. If you're a man pleaser, an eye server... It's all about you at the core anyway. You are not your own master. I am not my own master. The world wants me to be my own God. Look out for number one. Be your own God. We're bombarded with it every day, but in the kingdom of God, it is not that way. We have one master. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. So how do we serve him? 
How do we submit? We talked about how then do we serve. Several ways we can serve. We can serve by obligation, more like a discipline, like I have to do this. Really, it's a sense of compelling. I have to because I was told to, so I'm going to go do it. A lot of people face their faith as a bunch of do's and don'ts. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. Sometimes we view as children, we look at our parents, well, I have to do it because my dad said so. That's obligation. I would say that that is a life-robbing position. Your Christianity will be frustrated, bulging. And, and you'll, you'll really miss the boat. Could be by occupation, this is my duty. I ought to do this. And I'm guilty of this. I feel like I should be doing more. Well, I need to do more. I need to do more. So I do everything. I start every year with more and more. And then I neglect some of the more weighty things that I should be doing, like the dishes. Just serving my wife. I'm talking to my daughter. <laughs> saying, yeah, he needs to listen to his own sermon. <laughs> now she's nodding. I'm telling you, it's real. That somehow you're coming from the position like, I owe God. Or if I just work a little bit more, maybe God will somehow be more pleased with me. Or maybe he'll answer more of my prayers. It's, you and I, we already have God's favor. We already have his most. We already, we've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing under heaven and earth. All of them. All the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen. How many of them? How many? How many? Yeah, it's all of them. You can't earn God's favor. You don't owe God. He doesn't need you to do anything for him. Does that make sense? So get off that position. You don't need to be there. The sense of owing. Rather, we should come by observation, which is a devotion. I want to do this. I want to do it. it. It speaks of a sense of responsive love. I want to obey the Lord because of what he's done for me. Remember, we ended that time of song, uh, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. We are, we, our response to the Lord, Lord, because what you, in my state of neediness, I could do nothing. I could do nothing. There aren't a single person in this room. You can't save yourself, period. You can't change the color of one of your hairs. You can't make your hair grow back. <laughs> Such a tragedy. <laughs> we don't have that kind of power, but he does. Oh, God, how I need you. I was separated from the Father because of my sin. Not only my inherent sin nature, but my trespasses that I have committed. My disobediences. And I was destitute. A wretch. And Jesus reached out. And he picked on me. Revealed himself. And gave me the grace to say yes. Oh, in response, I was saved. I had a destiny of hell. And the greatest miracle of life, I now have a destiny to be with God for eternity. Hey, while I'm here, I'm gonna, I want to respond to Jesus with, you got it, Lord. Anything you want me to do, I'm in. You say, I go. You say jump, I say how high. Instant obedience. Remember, Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. What? As it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. Here's the Father and Jesus on the throne. Hey, Gabriel. 
it's time now for you to go down and share with Mary what's going to be happening. Can you imagine Gabriel over here going, just a second. Just a second, God. I know. Like instant obedience. I'm on my way. Gabriel loves the Father. Gabriel loves the Son. Gabriel loves the Spirit. Gabriel probably wonders why we lack in obedience, as do the angels. They must marvel sometimes at what is wrong with you, God? So, I don't have time this morning to go into masters. I will simply say that if you're an employer in this regard, remember you're flowing from your position of being a slave to Christ. So he says, treat your employees, if you will, in the same manner, from that same position. Love your employees. Serve your employees. Okay. Well, I'm going to do this in a nutshell. I'm going to give you scriptures. You can look them up. For you and I, really, this is a lame, probably a lame statement, but how are we to be slaves to Christ? In other words, what? there's almost like a why. I, I'm saved. I how and why am I going to be a slave to the Lord? We are His purchased possession. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In Him also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. We are purchased possession. And here's the thing. He's coming for his prize. He's coming for his purchase. He's redeemed us, and he's coming to get us, which is exciting. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. I won't read that again. It says his purchase, uh, he purchased us with his own blood. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, which I already read. So the second thought here, as his prized possession. Do you know that you are prized? You are valuable. We are valuable to the Lord. We are valuable to the Lord. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You and I, we were the joy set before him. That is a prize. He put value in us so much so that he died a substitutionary death for us. The value on your life, your life individually. Just take your index finger and point at yourself. My value. He died for you. He died for you. The scripture says, scarcely will a man die for someone who is righteous, let alone the ungodly. And yet, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrates his love toward us. God made him who knew no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Slips my mind. First Peter two nine says, "You are a chosen generation." You ever wonder if God picked you? The Scripture just told us, "You are a chosen generation. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people." Matthew thirteen forty four. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for the joy over it, he goes and sells all. What did he say this was like? He said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. A treasure that's hidden, and a man found it, and he sold everything. Jesus is all in. He's all in. We are the treasure. And he's like, I'm all in. I'm, that's mine. I'm in. That's a value. The next parable he said in that same portion in Matthew 13, it's fascinating. He says this, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. When, who, when he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. You're the pearl. You're the pearl. And he sold all. Jesus is recklessly abandoned for us. Recklessly abandoned. He sold all for you and for me. Wow. So, as his purchased possession, as his prized possession, as his precious to 
pray. Do you know that you are loved? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus said in John 13, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you. He loves us. He loves us. He says in John 15, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. I love you. I love you. Those are God's words. Anybody here feeling discouraged? Anyone feeling down? Anybody feel like singing the pity song? Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll eat some wings. Some wings can never be big enough. Endless wiggling song. We're pretty party. We all have been there before. I think, man, no one cares. Don't believe the lie from the pit of hell. Jesus cares. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Ephesians 5, earlier in the portion of the book that we're in, he says, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And finally, I would say, as God's sweet savior, not by obligation, not by occupation, by abhorrence. I want to love. I want to be fully devoted to God, fully devoted to God's work. The gang, we're slaves. Slaves to Christ because we have been purchased by him. The beauty is he's not a taskmaster. He demonstrated true masterhood, what it means to be a master. He came and he served those he was purchasing. He is the most excellent demonstration of servant leadership so that we can respond in like manner, serving one another out of a fervent love for the Lord. Does that make sense? Let's be slaves. Let's, let's let the power of God transform from the position that we operate in life from. I am his and he is mine. I will obey him in all that he says of me to do. Does that make sense? Not because I have to, not because I feel like I owe it, but simply because I love Jesus. I'm going to invite you to stand. Pastor Dennis, would you come on back up? Worship team, come on back up. I know I went a little long this morning, and it's warm. I want to invite you to come out again tonight. Uh, John Roberts is going to be sharing a third message in the area of apologetics, Apollo evangelizing, uh, and it is, tonight is really, there's much about logic and the rules of logic, and it's epic material. Uh, I, I sent a note even this morning and said, uh, it reminded me of my philosophy class uh, in just how we process our thoughts and how important that is when we're sharing our faith to recognize where people are coming from and recognizing even how we've talk to people about faith. This will be very, very fruitful for you. So I want to invite you to come back tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll have a couple of songs in worship, and then we're going to just dive right in to the teaching. I invite you to come and join me tonight. It's going to be a great night. If you're here this morning, and you are because I can see you, if you're here and you have struggled with who your master is, Maybe you've tried to be your own master and you have found yourself dissatisfied in your marriage. You've found yourself dissatisfied in your life. You've found yourself dissatisfied as a parent or as a child. You've found yourself dissatisfied as an employer or an employee. You've found yourself dissatisfied as a member of the body of Christ. I would submit to you that it has everything to do with lordship. Who's the master of your life? Maybe you've had partial mastery and you've given Jesus some portions of your life, but he's not transcended the wholeness of your life. And you realize this morning, hey, I've never approached this with the realization that I'm his. I belong to the Lord. I am not my own. And therefore, as a purchased possession, I will simply obey him because I'm his slave. I'm his slave. And you might find the joy of being what is known as a bond servant or a bond slave. The bond slave is one who has actually been freed from his 
slavery, but he remains under the care because of the love relationship. I would that all of us would be there, but that we would recognize he is master, and that we would yield ourselves, we'd yield ourselves there, and we would operate from that reality so that we could be the best employee wherever we work, we could be the best employer wherever we do commerce. Why? To be witnesses unto Jesus. To be witnesses unto Jesus. That people would say, man, there's something different about that guy. What is it about my employer? Uh, having the employer sit, sit down and say, hey, tell me what's, what makes your engine churn? Why are you so motivated at work? And you can say, because, bro, as adequate as a manager you are, I'm working for Jesus. And he, he told me to work my tail off for you. And so you're getting it all. And if there's any area that I can prove in, improve in, will you just simply let me know so I can work harder there? And they'll be like blown away. And that's what the scripture says. And it's power. The gospel, it is the power of God unto salvation. If you've struggled in that area and you would like to be included in this prayer, would you simply raise your hand and say, remember me this morning. I, want, I just want to be included in this prayer. Is there anybody who say, oh yeah, okay, I remember now. Father God, right now, as we come to the conclusion, we recognize masterhood. We want you to be the Lord of our lives. We want you to be the master. We don't fully understand what it means to be a slave. But we know that's what the Word of God has said at least 1,100 times in the Old Testament and another 150 times in the New Testament. 1,250 testimonies, if you will, of slavery and how all simply would point to we are not our own. We're not our own. We belong to you, Lord. And therefore, we'll simply obey in a love response. I'm yours, Lord. I'll do as you will. So God, help us, each one of us. And as we conclude with this song, we just sing this song one time through. God, may you be glorified in our lives. Help each one of us each day. In Jesus' name, amen. Talk to you then. Father, I thank you for the words that Pastor Dave said, that we are not our own. We're yours, God, 100%. And we want to live as slaves, as bondservants that will be free in our worship and in our daily walk. So as we go from here, Father, may we take those words as slaves of Christ Jesus. May we walk humbly before our God in obedience this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a good afternoon.